Would you stand with me as we read God's word and honoring his word today? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, and it says this. It says, therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Skipping down to verse 19. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've made us a part of the household of God, as you've established us and planted us within your church, the local body of believers that gather together here in New Holland. We pray, Father, that your word would come alive to us. We pray that we would recognize the great privileges and honors that are ours because we are a part of your body, because we're a part of your family. And we give you praise and thanks for that. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to understand this. The vast majority of us will not be able to understand how powerful this portion of Scripture is. Particularly if you grew up in a home where you had a mom and a dad. It's going to be very hard for you to understand how what a drastic transformation took place that Paul is writing about. But for those who grew up with no family, for those who never had a father, who never had a mother, who never had the assurance that I got some place where I can eat today. I know where I'm going to be for Thanksgiving and I have somebody who's watching out for me and I have somebody who's protecting me. To be brought into a family is a phenomenal thing that most of us just take for granted. The first thing I want to talk to you about today is that we're members of his family. When you were born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, you became a member of the household of God. We became part of his family. Well, the scripture says that we were adopted into his family. When we are adopted into his family, God is our father. The reality of it is there's two families on the earth. Either God is your father and you're a part of his family, or Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil, and you carry out your father's desires. So there's two families that you and I have a choice of being a part of. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 says this. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing to you these instructions. So if I'm delayed, and here's the part I want you to hear. You will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of of the truth. The Bible teaches us that the church is the support or the bulwark of the truth. Throughout the ages, the church is to continue to uphold the unchanging truth 
found in the Word of God to a community, to a society, to a world that is changing constantly. Societal norms keep changing. What's right and wrong according to society, according to laws, keep changing. But according to the Word of God, the church is that foundation that will continually lift up the truth of God's Word. And when the church starts coming to a point where we're no longer holding to the truth of God's word, the whole world's in trouble. There's a great need when that takes place. But thank God, no matter what season that the church has been through, there's always been that remnant who hold to the truth of God's word, who don't depart from that. Timothy said that the reason he was writing was so that they would know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God. The local church is the family of God, and God is our Father. We've gotten away from it, but in many churches, when I was growing up, how did we refer to one another? Any of you who were in church 30, 40 years ago, when we came to church, what did they call one another? Brother and sister. Everybody called them brother, sister, brother, sister. It was a term of endearment. Now, just like every family has its set of rules... God's household also has a set of rules. And many people don't want to hear it, but God has a code of conduct that he wants carried out for his family. Maybe you've heard this saying before, as long as you live under my, you're going to follow my rule. Each family has their own set of rules. Some that you may agree with and some that you may not. At the Ritchie house, when you come in, you take off your shoes. It's just the way that it is. You take off your shoes. Unless you are buying new carpet, you're going to take off your shoes. And I don't see anyone else buying new carpet. At the Ritchie household, you keep your dirty hands off the walls. And the funny thing is, those very same things that my dad would say. Do you remember that? The very things that dad would say. Dad would be like, don't touch the walls. Why can't I touch the walls? Well, because he doesn't want to come back and paint them again real soon. And so there's certain rules that they're just the conduct of your family. They're not eternal rules. They're not necessarily eternal. They're not going to affect your salvation. But as long as you live in this house, and my dad would always add a few other things. Some of his sayings, dad didn't swear, curse, but he would say, if you did something wrong, he'd say, he'd get mad and he'd bite his tongue. And Tammy does the same thing, just so that you know. Tammy bites her tongue. And my brother Todd bites his tongue, and does Terry bite her tongue? I think she may bite her tongue a little bit. When she's serious, dad wouldn't curse or anything, but when he'd get mad, he would say, you rotten. Say you did something. Say you drank. Another rule was you don't drink out of the water jug. Yeah, huh? See, some places, that was the rule for the house. You always had a glass water jug, and if no one was looking, you're a kid, you come in the house, what are you going to do? You turn up the water jug. And if dad would catch you doing that, he would say, you dirty, stinking, rotten hog. What are you doing? (laughs) So dad would have these things. And one of these things is he he would say to us is, as long as you live in my house, you're going to follow my rules. And then he would add this to us. He would say something. And dad was a big guy. Dad was a construction worker. He's six foot, 230. So he was a stout fella. And he would say stuff to us. You're going to follow my rules. I don't care if I have to pick up a board and hit you in the head. You're going to do what I said. Now, I'm like seven years old. (laughs) Can I tell you something? My dad never picked up a board and hit me in the head. As I was writing my message, it's kind of funny the different backgrounds that we come from. 
when I think of my father's discipline, when I think of the things he said, inside my heart kind of swells up and my heart smiles. I laugh. It fills me with joy when I think of some of those things that he said about me because it's been so good for me. I remember the time that I talked back. Well, there was two things that came to my mind. The first one was I took some candy. I told you this a thousand times. My buddy's dad had a store, and he said, do you want some candy? And I was like, dude, yeah, you know, whole row, whole row. I mean, like a wallful of penny candy. How many of you remember those days? A wallful. I mean, a wall. He's like, take as much as you want. And I was like, yeah. And Joe Bazooka Bubblegum, you remember that? Oh, come on. I'm talking to somebody now. Somebody's with me. I mean, I had about four pieces. I was probably five years old and I had like four pieces. My little cheeks were so full. I I couldn't even get enough saliva to make it chew that stuff. I'm chewing on this bazooka and I got my pocket. My pants pockets are full. So I probably had, you know, I had little pockets then. They're not as big as they are now. I probably had six pieces of candy or something. And we got home and I get out of the car. Dad, where did you get that gum? I was like, Danny gave it to me. Dad's like, it's not Danny's to give to you. And this is what he said to me. He said, no son of mine is going to steal. I'm not having a son who's a thief. And he proceeded to spank my bind and he made me go back and apologize. You're like, oh, that's so terrible. Can I tell you what? That was good for me. Anytime you ever thought about taking something that wasn't yours, no, I remember what happened. I remember having to go back and say, I'm sorry. And I never wanted that feeling again. I never wanted that. But he said, no son of mine's going to be a thief. I remember another time when I backtalked grandma. It wasn't like a, a rebellious backtalk. A smart aleck answer, a kid. You know how kids do sometimes. We got home. No son of mine is going to disrespect his mom or his grandma. And man, he tore me up. There's some other areas I wish he could have spanked me for. Because those things worked pretty good. I'm not mad at him. I love him for those things. I respect him for those things. I appreciate him. My, as I said, my heart swells for him. I want to be around him. And you know what? He wants to be around me. Isn't that something? You know, there's some parents, they don't want to be around their kids. Their kids don't want to be around them. Why? Because they're not fit to be around. In a good family, in a healthy family, a father disciplines and corrects. In a good family, in a healthy family, there are rules and guidelines for that household. So God establishes rules for his household. God does not just allow any behavior in his house. According to scripture, when Satan became filled with pride and rebelled against God, he and a third of the angels were cast out of heaven. In the household of God, things such as rebellion, things such as pride, things such as causing divisions will not be tolerated. The thing about rebellion is, Rebellion and authority are always going to clash all the time. It doesn't matter how far you move the boundaries back for a rebellious person. Their nature forces them. You got a rebellious son and you say to him, well, I know that 11 o'clock is kind of early for you to be home. How about you come home at 1215? How about you make it to 1215? Can I tell you the nature of a rebellious son that if you move the time back to 12.15, he won't be able to be home by 12.15. It's his nature to do that. God does not tolerate rebellion in his house. He addresses it. There's a certain point where God says, if you're going to be a part of my family, 
You have to come under my authority and my rules. And if you can't do that, you can't be here. You got to understand that. If you can't come under God's rules and authority, you can't be a part of his household. You choose to leave there. Listen to 2 Peter verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, For the righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and hold the righteous for punishment on the day of judgment. Friends, there's some rules that God has for his household. We have to understand that. But there's also some benefits for his family. Let's go back to verse 12. And it says, remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel. And you were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were without hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I want you to know that there are benefits. There are rewards. The benefits far outweigh the sacrifice that you make to be a follower of Jesus. There are great benefits that come as a result of you being under his household, under his authority, and a part of his family. There are things that, as a part of his family, that you have assurance of. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 3, says this. It says, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season. And the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest. And the grape harvest will continue into planting. And you'll eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. I'll grant peace in the land and you'll lie down and no one will make you afraid. I'll remove wild beasts from the land and the sword will not pass through your country. You will pursue your enemy, and they will fall by the sword before you. The ungodly, they flee when no one pursues them. You know that. That's what the scripture teaches us. But it says they'll fall by the sword. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. I'll look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you'll have to move it to make room for the new. I'll put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you'll be my people. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. There's some benefits about being a part of the family of God. One of those benefits is that when you obey God, you've been adopted into his family. And you've obeyed his commands and his instructions to you. 
you can rest assured that whenever something comes your way that's impossible for you, that it's no longer your problem, it's God's. I want to say that again. No matter what comes your way, it's no longer your problem, it's God's, because you're under his covering, you're under his protection, you're under his authority. You tell me that your finances are too hard for God? You tell me that sickness is too hard for God? You tell me that the the wisdom that you are lacking, there's too big of a gap for God? No. When you have done His will, you have the ability to be able, when you've done all, to stand. And then watch for His deliverance. You can stand with a confidence, with a boldness, with an assurance that God's going to take care of me. You can go to sleep in the midst of lions. Take a nap. Why? Because God's for you. Here's the thing that the Lord put upon my heart. As I was preparing my message on Thursday, I struggled to get my message because the Lord redirected me. And this is what he put upon my heart. If you're in his family, you're his to take care of. You're his. Someone comes against you. Something stands against you. They're not battling with you. They're battling with him. Particularly when you've submitted yourself to his authority. You've done it his way. So... This is God's situation. It's his problem. The thing that the Lord put upon my heart was this. And I'm going to tell you what I know. He's going to back me up today. This is what he spoke to me. He said, if you lay it out before the people, I'll back you up with signs and wonders that will follow. If you'll declare to him what I'm going to do. And this is what God's going to do for you today. There's people who walk into our churches who come in here and you have a need You have a physical need in your body. Some of you need deliverance. There's something that is tormenting your mind. There's something that's coming against you. You know what I'm talking about when we say you need deliverance. I just believe with all of my heart that God is here today to set some people free. It may be tormenting your mind. It may be a battle with sin. It may be an addiction. It may be a habit. doesn't matter what it is because he's able to deliver. He's able to save completely. He's able to set free. That's the reason why Jesus came. We're going to pray for you, and we're going to just believe this. We're going to believe that anything that stands in your way, anything that causes you to hold your head down, anything where the enemy's been stealing and robbing you of your peace, and of your joy, Jesus is here. Things that don't make sense. He sent Jesus to deliver and to set people free. He kept me up at night. He woke me up early. He told me he wants you to be free. And so today is your day. I'm going to make you a promise. When you leave here today, you're going to be touched by the Holy Spirit. You're going to leave here empowered by Him. And He's going to get the glory. So Father, today, I thank you that you brought me into your family and you brought my brothers and sisters into your family. I thank you for the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made on Calvary so that I could walk in liberty so that nothing would by any means harm me. I thank you, Lord, that you set us free and you and the Son sets free. The Word declares us free indeed. There's no sin that the blood of Jesus does not cover, does not utterly obliterate. There's no sin. There's no sickness or disease that the stripes on your back were not sufficient for. 
There's no torment in people's minds that the Prince of Peace can't breathe life into. And so today, Lord, as we open up these altars in Jesus' name, we pray that as we open up these altars and as people step out of their pew, I thank you that they are going to be meeting with you and you are going to bring freedom and deliverance in the name of Jesus.